Hi, this is the coach, Brendan, sir. I want to update you on some new developments and dates for our uh, phenomenal Coaching You VIP experience that happens every July in Las Vegas. Uh, because of the change of the summer league dates from July 10 to 20, we have uh, now come up with our date of July 13 and 14, a Monday and Tuesday, right after the summer league starts. Uh, again, all I can promise is you will have the very best of NBA coaches that will come in and teach and share with you all of their knowledge and ex things that really will take you to the next level as a coach. This is our 12th year of coaching you. Uh, the speakers are out of this world, but everyone is a VIP. That's the difference in our clinic than everyone else. This experience provides you with courtside seating, you know, right up there, two meals with us, uh, breaking bread with some of the best coaches and networking with some of the finest coaches around to share some of their ideas. Uh, you'll get the video of all the speakers that will be there. Uh, and it's just a, you know, a t-shirt, a notebook from us. You know, what we found is, you know, probably the best experience you can have in coaching because of the intimate setting all around the court and also the knowledge that you'll get. So I can't wait to see you in July in Las Vegas, the 13th and 14th. Sign up now. Go to coachingyoulive.com and forward slash VIP 2020. Coachingyoulive.com forward slash VIP 2020. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and so excited today to have Griff Aldridge, uh, rising star, fabulous story of how he became a college coach. I think you're really going to enjoy it. He's the head coach at Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia. After this timeout, come back and you will see hear some things that you've never heard before on our Coaching You podcast. Let's hear from our latest sponsor, Max One. Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. With all these useful features for one low price, I can't emphasize enough the value Max One can bring to your program, especially with the basketball season right around the corner. I know firsthand the importance of keeping your team on the same page as the season reaches its peak. I'm confident Max One can solve these problems for you and keep your program connected to help ensure you're on pace for the most effective season possible. Max One allows you to create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached and deliver them right to your athlete's phone, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts and helping your players improve as the season goes on. You can then combine these workouts into an entire in-season program tailor-made to complement all the hard work that your athletes are already putting in during the season. You can even track your athletes' progress on the Max One leaderboards to see the improvement coming from your team, keeping everyone on the team accountable while encouraging a culture of competition. I also know how the calendar feature allows you to keep athletes, parents, and coaches alike as organized as possible. Workout schedules, practices, tournament games can all be created via color-coded schedules ensuring your athletes are in the loop with details on whatever events you have throughout the long season. To learn more about how MaxOne can help you run your program this off-season, 
head to their website at GoMaxOne.com and schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. As always, mention me, Coach Brendan Sir, sent you, and you'll receive a special discount if you decide to purchase. Again, visit www.GoMaxOne.com right now to schedule your free demo. You won't be disappointed. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the Coach Brendan Sir. I am so excited today to have my friend Griff Aldridge from Longwood University as our guest. Griff, welcome, my friend. Thanks, Brennan. Glad to glad to be on. I think you know we we do those these coaching you podcasts for you know it, it's kind of turned into an interesting thing. You know, we have people from over fifty countries around the world listening, as as well as you know high school, uh, amazing number of high school college coaches in the U.S. that listen, and you know and. What I've, my feedback that I've gotten is, uh, you know, how, can you help me coach? Can you help me at my journey to get a job and, you know, coaching and all those different things? And we try to help with that. But I think your position and how you've come into coaching might be the most intriguing and interesting of anyone <laughs> I've that, that I've ever talked to. Would you be kind enough to walk our listeners through your path? Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, Brendan, it's uh, basketball is has um, always been a passion of mine. Really, I grew up in Virginia Beach and uh, grew up on the weekends watching Jefferson Pilot ACC basketball uh, games Saturday and Sundays afternoons and uh, just really fell in love with the game. Uh, and after finishing up my my um, college career at a division three school hampton sydney playing for uh, tony shaver um you know really wasn't ready to be done with basketball um but i had applied to to law school kind of as a uh, a hedge against you know not being able to get a job and and things of that nature and and actually uh kind of interestingly um uh, one of my best friends or, or my best friend from Hampton, Sydney and, and college teammate was Ryan Odom, the now head coach at, at UMBC, uh, who will, who will come into play here in my story <laughs> in a little bit. But uh, um, I had actually secured kind of like a GA or special assistant to the head coach uh, position uh, with coach Odom uh, down at, who was at Wake Forest uh, at the time. And um uh, we were actually uh, at at the final four uh, the, my senior year, and uh, walk into Coach Odom's you know hotel room with Ryan and Coach Odom you know looks at me and goes, "Did I hear you got into to law school?" And I said, uh, "I said, well, yeah, I applied to a few law schools and I, and I got in." And, and he goes, "Well, you can't you can't come anymore." you got to go to law school. So that kind of thwarted, thwarted my plans, but I'm, I'm glad he, I think it was really wise counsel from coach Odom. He's, his view was, you know, you can always come back and coach, but if you don't go to law school, you know, that's a great way to differentiate yourself and, and, you know, get some different skills. And so I ended up going to law school and, uh, coached, uh, at a local high school there, um, the Covenant School in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, for a couple years. And, um, uh, and then, then, uh, ended up, um, at the conclusion of that, uh, had a, had a few offers to go work at law firms, uh, in Texas and, um, decided to defer that to go coach at, um, 
my alma mater, Hampton, Sydney, with uh, with Coach Shaver, and um, did that, and uh, had an amazing year, um, and uh, it, we we had a great year. We were twenty six and two that year. In fact, we were twenty six and zero at one point, and uh, a year of streaks. We went twenty six and zero and zero and two. Um, but had a, had a great experience, um, loved working with coach Shaver. Um, but, uh, at the conclusion of that year, uh, during the summer, uh, for, for really a number of reasons, um, I opted to, to, uh, go and, and, uh, practice law and, uh, join a law firm, uh, that I'd had an offer from. And, um, and so, so kind of transitioned out of coaching, um, and uh, went and practiced law. Uh, and about two years in, decided I really missed uh, college basketball. But for a number of reasons, um, you know, just wasn't able to get back in, and and uh, and you know, just um, satisfied myself with coaching AAU uh, during that period. Um, and you know, a couple of years turned into twelve years, and uh, became a partner at uh, my law firm, uh, Vincent and Elkins, and uh, was a corporate lawyer, um, just coaching AAU on the side. And um, and and after that, uh, transitioned uh, out of the the legal practice into private equity, and uh, in the oil and gas and energy uh, sectors down in Houston. And, uh, did that for about four years. Um, and again, still coaching AAU and, and our AAU program was a little bit different. Um, we were, we were based out of a Christian ministry in the third ward of Houston, Texas. Um, and, uh, it, we were, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Yates high school, which is a, a power powerhouse down there, but we were a couple blocks from Yates. Um, and me and my wife actually lived in in the third ward wow. um, with our with our kids, um, and we just felt really called um, to to be involved with that community, um, and really felt like the AAU that we had been um, that I had been involved with earlier. You know, you're making an impact with engaging with the kids, you know, once or twice a week, but. The, the challenges that these kids were facing were so significant that they needed more touches, or I felt like mm-hmm. we could have more impact if we had more touches. You know, not unlike what we do now with, with our players, where you're just constantly with them, um, and, and they're forced to, you know, go go up against the core values of of the program that you're you're trying to build and it's shaping shaping their lives whether they want it or not that's right yeah but uh and so our program was really interesting and and uh um ben jones who runs it now um really deserves most of the credit but um you know we ran a program where the the guys would come uh to uh, uh, the, the community center or called the forge for families. And they would, uh, come right after school and they would, uh, do online math and online reading comprehension, uh, 30 minutes each. Uh, then they would get a dinner served, uh, to them. The Houston food bank, you know, provided hot meals to us. And then they would get a, um, you know, Bible or spiritual devotional 
you know, during dinner, and then they'd work out for about 90 minutes. So they'd do that Monday, Tuesday, then we'd have a big team workout for about two hours on Wednesday nights, and then Thursday, Friday, they'd, they'd do it again, and then we'd play, you know, we'd play tournaments probably three weekends out of a month, which was a lot. And, uh, but it was great because, you know, you'd see kids jump academically, um, you know, we, we, we'd have kids fall off and who, who couldn't deal with the discipline, but we'd have a lot of kids who were able to stick through it and you'd see them jump a whole grade or two grades just because they were having to do that academic work day in and day out. So that was, that was really exciting to see. And you could kind of see the, the change in a lot of these kids, you know, right before your eyes, which was, which was fun. But, um, you know, I think during that point, I, I was just so in love with, you know, basketball and and the, the fruit that we were seeing with this program. And uh, and it, it was really exciting. And I don't know if it's a midlife crisis or what, but I really started to question, you know, this was the life-giving part of my life. And, you know, I, I enjoyed the private equity and I enjoyed the corporate world. But what was really exciting to me and what I woke up in the morning thinking about was, you know, the workouts, the practices, you know, how was, you know, Carnell doing? Was he, was he, was he going to do, you know, well on his test? Was he going to, you know, come and execute, you know, his reading comprehension, you know, like he's supposed to, or, um, you know, those were those were the types of things that we were we were that was really driving me at the time. And, um, you know, that 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 kind of pull was was probably about nine to 12 months. And, you know, I was reading several books at the time. Um, Joe Ehrman, I don't know if you're familiar very, with his very, inside very out big coaching. Fan of, I know Joe well. Love him. Yeah. And that that book, as I'm going through this period, like it, it just kind of spoke my heart, uh, and it put my heart into words in so many ways. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like, wow, this is, this is really what I want to do. And, and, you know, Brennan, it was being in the AAU world, it, it, and dealing with the kids that we were dealing with, um, you know, the, the pressure to perform was, was so much less just because, we were trying to transform lives, you know, every bit as much as trying to help them become great basketball players. And, you know, it was a rigorous program. And I mean, I don't know many programs that go, you know, four to five days a week. Um, But at the same time, you know, we weren't so caught up in the winning. Um, And um, so anyway, fast forward. um, What I've, you know, two, Two of my best friends, um, one from high school is uh, Seth Eilberg, who is the athletic director and head basketball coach at the Hill School up in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. uh, um, one of those prep schools. Um, you know, very good. They've won the the, uh, the Pennsylvania State Championship several years, and he's had a had a great run there uh, for the past nineteen years. Uh, and then Ryan Odom, as I mentioned, the UMBC uh, head coach. And about this time, I, I kind of reached out to him and to both of them and said, you know, I've got this kind of deep, 
I don't know if it's an itch or a yearning or a calling. I don't know what it is, but to, you know, should I be spending more time coaching? And, and Brandon, what I really thought that meant as I was kind of reading some books and things like that was I thought it meant, you know, probably looking to reduce my time at the private equity firm sure. and be able to spend more time with the AAU program and not, not necessarily have it become a full-time vocational, you know, situation. And, um, so anyway, um, you know, both, both Seth and, and Ryan, uh, were, were very positive. Ryan was like, no, I don't think you're too old to do that. I mean, I think it's great. And, um, and, you know, Seth, uh, basically said, you know, it was really a matter of when you were going to get back into, to coaching on a more regular basis. Um, you know, in a, in more of a full-time capacity in, in his mind. And, um, you know, so this is, I guess, uh, around this time, uh, in the winter of, of 2015. And, um, and, you know, so I, I talked to those two guys and they both said, Hey, you really ought to do it. And then I decided to call a, another, he was more of an acquaintance, but now has become a very good friend, Chad Warner, who's at Flagler, uh, college, very close Division friend to school, very, very and close friend since his days at shorter. That's right, Chad. And I said, so you know Chad's story. Chad had had yep. great success at Shorter and then got out of coaching mm-hmm. and went and worked at a bank. And I said, aha, I'll call somebody who's going to tell me, dude, the, the, the grass is greener. You're, you're crazy. Like, coach your AAU, keep your job, <laughs> like, and just enjoy it. And so we called Chad and, and we chatted. And about three minutes in, uh, he said, uh, I said, so are you, you happy you made the decision? And he said, about a week after I, I got out, I've been trying to get back in ever since. And uh, I said, okay, I think I called the wrong guy. <laughs> so uh, this was not the, the, the response I was expecting. And, and, you know, he again, too, was like, you know, this is great. And, um, you know, if you feel called to it, you need to pursue it. And, you know, as it would turn out, a couple of months later, Ryan, um, you know, got involved with the job at UMBC, and uh, you know, it was Ryan's first Division One head job, and and obviously, um, we've known each other for a very long time, and and I think he thought that I could help him from an organizational perspective, and you know, a trust perspective, and and things like that, and and obviously from a basketball perspective as well, and. Um, so, you know, as crazy as it, it sounded, um, you know, my wife and I and our, our three kids, you know, we decided to, to take the jump. And, um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, I thought, you know, if this doesn't work out and if it turns out to be a miserable failure, um, I've got my law degree. I can go back to private equity. Yeah, I'll be fine. You know, just this is kind of a low-risk you know, deal. And, uh, it was interesting. I, I, I was talking to, um, uh, the senior guy at Texas teachers retirement fund, uh, a very, a large, um, pension fund and, uh, Britt Harris and Britt, Britt gave me probably some of the best advice that I, I have received. And I'm 
kind of telling him about my journey and he's intrigued by it and everything. And then I kind of give him what I just told you, which is, well, you know, and if it doesn't work out, we're not going to sell our house in Houston. And if it doesn't work out, we can always just come back. And he said, no, 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 no. He goes, you got to burn the boats. He's like, you've got to go at this wholehearted as if you're not coming back. And I thought that was the best advice and it really changed my mindset. Um, Cause I don't think I would have been a, a very good support for Ryan if I always had one eye to, well, if I don't like it or if it's not you know good, then, you know, I'll just go back to Houston. And, um, and I really went full, full bore into, to UMBC and things like that. And, uh, with, with that program and, and I thought that was the best thing. And I think it really was, was a huge, uh, a huge benefit to get that advice. But, um, so anyway, that's, you know, that's, that's a good bit of the story. Yeah, no. And, uh, after this quick time out, we're going to come back and I want to talk about, uh, that decision that you made. And I love the concept of burning the boats and it is great advice. After this quick time out, we'll be back with Griff. Fast model sports is the world's most comprehensive, versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scout reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, we're back with Griff Aldridge, a head coach of Longwood University. You know, one of the things that I've had many high school coaches, and high school coaches I'm obviously huge fans of. They're some of the best we have. And, and uh, you know, I'll have a high school coach say, you know, I really want to become a college coach. And everyone says, how do I get into this? Oh, I want to be in the NBA. How do I do that? And then I tell them, well, you know, you're going to have to come, and you're going to have to start off at this, and you're going to make that. Oh, I, I can't take a pay cut. Uh, right. And then they, they give you that. And then uh, the ones that I say, well, you want to you come in the NBA? I said, well, I, you know, I think the best thing to do in the NBA, because there's no ceiling, there's no ceiling. On, as we have in college basketball, we have a tremendous ceiling on advancement. Uh, you know, normally, no one from an ops job goes to become a head coach. Does not happen. Impossible. Right. You can't even become sometimes an assistant coach because, you know, you're not allowed to recruit. So then they say, well, you know, I don't know if you can recruit because, well, I've never been able to recruit. I'm not allowed to recruit. I don't know how good you're on the floor with players. Well, I'm not allowed to be on the floor with players. But in the NBA, right. you can be a darn video guy and you can work out players. You can scout. There's no restrictions. There's no rules. Isn't that an amazing idea? So, uh, so, there, but 
you know, you might come in at twenty five, thirty five thousand dollars, and you might have made seventy thousand in high school. So they, right. oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. So, for the man that is a lawyer, the man that is private <laughs> equity, okay, uh, and you're doing really, really well, and I don't want you a huge, huge pay cut. And I know, and Ryan is a great friend. And UMBC back in the day is not the UMBC it is today. So, Correct. <laughs> uh, Correct. so when you went there, your wife said, is that for a month? Oh, that's for the year, the salary, uh, <laughs> you know? So she's like my wife, my wife, and she, she's, she's counting everything, you know? And so you say, you know, how do you, how, now I, I can tell your wife already is transformational in the way she approaches life, but how, how does one have to sell that to their spouse? Well, I, you know, number one, I think, I think this would never have worked without my wife. Sure. Um, and my wife, I, you know, is the biggest blessing in my life, you know, by far. Um, and a distant second, third, and fourth are my kids. But mm-hmm. um, the the um, you know, I, she's an adventurous person, and and I would say, you know, if if your wife is not fully on board. And, and I did, I said that to her, you know, we were going through this process because it wasn't just about me. It was about her. It was about, you know, the other three kids. And, you know, my wife, when I left the law firm, I was leaving a very stable position to go into, you know, more volatile private equity, you know, sector. And, you know, her whole deal to me was, you know, life is about experiences. It's about adventures. And what are we showing our kids if we just always take the safe route? And she said, I want, I want our kids to be able to think about their father and say, he took, he took the risk that he felt like he was called to do. And, you know, I'm a highly analytical, highly, believe it or not, I am super risk averse. And, um, and so you, you wouldn't think that with some of the decisions that I've made. Um, but I think, you know, having a, a partner um, who is who is basically a balance to me of she's definitely the much more adventuresome person. And she was probably more, you know, well, don't you love college basketball? I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I love college. Like, NBA versus college, it's not even close. I love college basketball and always have, always have. And if you ask me who my favorite players were, they were always college players, not NBA players. And um, I said, this would be crazy. This is a dream to go coach college and, like, let's go do it and see what happens. And um, so that was a big piece to it. Um, You know, we were financially in a different position, I will say. Where we could afford to, um, we had put ourselves in a situation where we could afford to, you know, take a massive pay cut. Uh, I do think it was over ninety percent, but uh, it, to, to, to take a, a, a pay that, cut. That, I'm sorry, it was that it was not a malfunction of our audio. That was me laughing my ass off. Okay, but uh, and I knew it, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, we we knew that. Hey, we, we'll do this. And, and again, I, I, you know, and I, again, I do think Brendan, that, that comes to a point for me where I was in my life and, and without sharing this piece, you know, 
my story, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, faith is is a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. And I literally have, have spent my life trying to climb the ladder. And there's a lot of a lot of reasons for that, but my whole identity has been on performance. And, you know, I hit a period um, where at some point I started to realize, you know, in my own Christian faith, you know, the Christian faith teaches that, you know, Christ is to be your identity, not your works here on, on earth, whether they're, you know, um, working with, you know, urban youth or, or in the corporate world, but your identity and your worth is supposed to come from your faith and your belief in, in, you know, Christ. And that hit me in a way that it had never hit me before. And really in my heart, I was feeling like, well, if, if my life is really just about you know, being a, a Christian and my value comes from my faith in Christ and not by how much money I earn or how many deals I close or how much money I make other people in the private equity world, but really just in who I am in my faith, my Christian faith, then I'm really free to do whatever I really want to do. And what I want to do is coach basketball mm-hmm. and impact, you know, the lives of the players that I feel like, you know, God's given me to, to work with. And that was, that was transformational. And that was about a year process where, you know, the, the desire, the passion, the urgency to constantly climb the ladder, um, in the corporate context, you know, that, that allure kind of faded and there was a real peace in my spirit of, you can be whoever you want to be and your worth isn't coming from a title or a position or what people at river Oaks country club in Houston think about you. It's coming from, you know, what God thinks about you. And so that, when that really hit me, I'll be honest with you, that was more, you know, the impetus to, to start looking at coaching, you know, more full time and, you know, again, I thought that was going to be in the AAU realm, not, not in the college realm. And, um, and so, but, but I do, I think that gave us, me and my wife, a lot of freedom to say, Hey, this is a neat adventure. We feel like God's brought, you know, this to the forefront of my heart. And then, you know, you, you can call it coincidence. We, we think it's providential that your best friend, you know, for years, uh, Godfather to Ryan's, you know, one of his sons, uh, gets his first division one head coaching job and says, Hey, you've got the skills I, I need, you know, or I would like to have, you want to come along. And it just felt like all of the pieces were falling together. And, um, you know, it, it, to be honest with you, there was, there was very little doubt that we were supposed to do it. Now, I will say, as I was driving away from my house in Houston for the final time, there was a little bit of the, oh, shit moment. Uh, <laughs> what, what am I doing? But, uh, you know, I mean, you look back on it in retrospect now, and golly, it's it's been an amazing ride. Uh, you know, tell, I know you lived in the Third Ward. When you drove away for the last time, were you still living in the Third Ward, or were you now in uh 
Where were you living at that point? Well, we were we were living in the third ward, and and uh, we we lived there for for five years. Actually, still have a house there. Yeah. But we had we had yeah. there's there's a few different parts of third ward. There's a couple block area, yeah. uh, Riverside Terrace. That's that's very nice, and and we had ended up uh, I guess three years in buying a house over there. So it was not not as uh as rough as as you might imagine yeah and i know that river river oaks area quite well and uh yeah had had a few friends there but obviously not not the kind that they would let me stay long uh but (laughs) (laughs) you know i think one of the things that uh, strikes me griff about um about your situation and and one that you know we need to really uh, focus and teach and this is why this is so great for coaches to hear is that you know, I always say that coaching is about taking players where they can't take themselves. That's why players need us. They need you. And I think yeah. you saw that in your AAU program where those kids needed you on a daily basis. And you were changing their lives. You were being Joe Ehrman to them. And and you're a, even though, I, you know, often when we talk, we our talks are about winning and losing but we're transformational coaches. We're about changing people's lives, and that's why we're doing this. And if you're a transactional coach, the only thing you got at the end of the day is your record. And you yeah. know what? That's very shallow, uh, yeah. you know, because that doesn't help you help save a kid's life or help a kid make a thing. Uh, and Dave Odom, I've known since he was a coach at Durham High School and one of the greatest people ever in our game, you know, and talk about changing lives of people. You know, those are the type of people that you have, you know, in your life. And, and Tony Shaver, my God, what a great coach and person, yep. you know. And and so those are the things that why we're in coaching, not why you should be. If you're in coaching for money, you're not in it for the right reason. Well, I want you to be compensated because you're performing a service, but that's not why you're in coaching. Right, right. You know, after this quick time out, we're going to come back and I really want to talk to you about what you've done, I, I think, is near miracle status in college basketball at Longwood. We'll be right back. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. We're back with Griff Aldridge at, from Longwood University. Griff, uh, when you took the job there uh, at Longwood, uh, knowing, you know, I'm, I know I'm an NBA guy, but I'm a basketball guy. I said, my God, what has he done? <laughs> he is <laughs> he is taking one of the 10 worst jobs in college basketball. Uh, but they're hard to get. 
Okay, but, yeah. but there was a reason why you went there. And I always say that you don't get a job with a resume. You get jobs with, through relationships and people yeah. that we know and believe in us. Why did you go to Longwood? Well, it's it's a great question. It's a a, a crazy a crazy story. Um, and again, I, I it's one of those things where I, I do feel like it's it, you know it has a providential feel to it. Um, in the basketball sense, you know, I have no business you know having been back college coaching and really in an ops position uh, for two years, getting a head head coaching job. Um, but you know, to, to me, and I, and, and when this popped up, um, the, the opportunity came up, several people I spoke with, um, I'm not going to say their names, but, you know, told me you'd be crazy to take that job. I know it's a head job, but you're with Ryan. Ryan's a, a rising star, which I, I totally agree. And, uh, I loved working for him. It was, you know, some of the most rewarding years of, of my life. Um, but, um, you know, it's a unique opportunity and it, it kind of fit what my wife and I felt like we were being called to do. And, and as I told, as I told those people, I said, look, I'm not, I'm not looking to come to Longwood to try to build something and then leave. Um, this is really an extension of, of who I think, you know, we are. And, and who we're, you know, as you, you mentioned, the transactional versus transformational, you know, piece. And, and, it, and Brandon, I'll say this, you know, I don't want any of your listeners to think it, it, this is something that I have to battle every single day. And a lot of days I lose, you know, the transactional versus transformational. It's, it's, it's funny that, you know, that piece and that performance anxiety, uh, you know, since I've come back to Longwood, it's reared its ugly head in, in powerful <laughs> ways. Um, but, but you know, in my heart, you know, I, I do want to be that transactional coach. I just not always that guy, um, but but fighting to be that guy. Um, but going back to the to the Longwood story, you know, um, I had known you know the president of Longwood, Taylor Reevely, is 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 somebody who I've known from a distance. Um, I actually asked him, uh, I went to Virginia law school. He went to Virginia law school. Um, we know friends of friends and things like that. And, uh, I actually asked him after we got the job, I said, you know, president Reevely, why, why weren't we friends at Virginia? And, uh, and he said, cause we weren't there at the same time. I said, <laughs> Oh, Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I came after you left. And, uh, um, but I think, you know, president Reevely is a, is a, different type of leader. He's, um, he's a corporate lawyer by background. Um, I think he understands the world that I've come from. And, um, so he's hired a lot of folks, um, and encouraged the hiring of, of folks at Longwood that have different perspectives that, um, and skill sets that, you know, can, can bring a creative approach to, to a position. And Troy Austin, um, who is the AD has since left, uh, to go be a senior associate AD at Duke. Uh, he played football at Duke and it's a bit of a homecoming, you know, Troy called me and, and, you know, we talked, you know, several times and, and, um, 
you know, I think what they were looking for was somebody who had had, you know, a different set of leadership capabilities to really try to build a program. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for me, this was obviously a unique opportunity to, to lead a division one program. You know, Brendan, this was in my wildest, wildest dreams. I never thought I would be a division one head coach. And that really wasn't my goal. I really thought I'd be with Ryan for however long we do it. And, um, you know, it, this was never in the, in the plan. And I'd been at the division three level. I, I didn't really think I wanted to do that. So I, I was pretty content just, you know, um, hanging out with my best buddy, uh, <laughs> Ryan. And, you know, that was going pretty well. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, when, when this opportunity popped up, um, you know, it just felt, it, it did, it felt, felt, uh, ordained and, and, uh, a unique opportunity. And, um, and Longwood, the more I got to know it, um, I really do think it's a special place. Um, I think it's a unique place that is, is um, you know, I, I obviously had a lot of familiarity with it. It's in the same town where Hampton, Sydney uh, is located. So I knew the school um, from 20 years ago, but it's, it's a school where the administration um, is really pushing it to, to grow and be special. And a big part of that in their view is, is the growth of the basketball program. And so, um, while a big challenge and, and, uh, a huge adventure, it, it was also an exciting one. And, uh, so, so one that, that we jumped at. So, and, you know, having uh, gotten a chance to, you know, play against you and watch you coach and stuff, uh, I, I thought, I said, this, this is, this is, a unique style of play, uh, and actually, of the, no, and I <laughs> that mean can that. Be taken a lot yeah, of no, I, I didn't. I, I didn't mean that pregnant pause on, on unique. But what I I found, and what I meant by that was that, uh, you know, coached a lot of games this year, coached a lot of games in the past, and I said this team moves the ball as well as any team I've seen in college basketball. I mean, really moves the ball. That is, let's talk basketball. How. How hard is it to get a team to adapt to the style of play that you want? Any coach, well, or, you, you know, from your standpoint. Well, I, you know, I will say we, we spend, I think a lot of it has to do with character. Um, the, we, we talk a lot about character with our team. And we really want guys who want to be at Longwood, who want to grow both as players, but also you know, as people. And so I'm not saying we, we get it right all the time and, and, you know, we certainly don't, but I do think at least to date, the young men that we've been fortunate to inherit from, from coach G and, and then also the ones that we've brought in, we've been very careful to bring in guys who we felt like were going to be teammates first, you know, not, not stars. And, you know, I really credit, you know, the players um, sure. to, you know, that they've adapted to that. They've, they, there hasn't been a tremendous amount of pushback uh, to, you know, sharing the ball. And, you know, we certainly run a lot of drills and passing drills that, that emphasize that. 
we certainly emphasize, you know, plays where the ball's been, been moved around a lot, um, you know, from that perspective. Um, but a lot of it is, I, I do think who our players are and, you know, we're not going to tolerate selfishness and, um, and I think we've been very fortunate to, to get a group of, of kids where I do think when we screw it up, it's not because there's a huge me, me, me concept. I think it's more poor coaching that I haven't been able to help them understand, no, that's not the right time to drive or no, that's not the shot we want. Um, it's It's been much more of, you know, their lack of understanding yeah. and not not hey i'm trying to go get mine so so briefly uh, if you would griff uh talk to people that maybe uh internet are international coaches from all over the world that are listening and also coaches let's say from the west coast or you know that don't know longwood basketball uh give me a thumbnail of for them of style play offensively and defensively what you're trying to do yeah i mean offensively we we really are we're a spread uh, offense, probably more European in style, or at least we'd, we, we'd probably like to be, uh, where the ball moves and it doesn't stick in one particular person's hand. Uh, we really believe that the offense helps create the opportunities and then the, the players, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. And so we like to spread the court. We like the ball to move quickly. We want defenses to have to have to defend. And, you know, the, the, the more that the defense gets loosened up, the, the easier the opportunity is to score. And, um, uh, and so there's a lot of driving kick. Um, there's a lot of quick ball movement, you know, when it's running well. Um, and, um, you know, and then we, we ball screen a fair amount you know, as well. Um, but really I, I, I say the ball screen oftentimes is, is the grace just to get the ball to start moving. And, uh, we run, a, you know, a lot of sets, um, and oftentimes the sets, you know, if they don't create a shot, it just gets us moving and, and hopefully starts, you know, starts the ball popping. Um, so that's what we're trying to do offensively. Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's better than others. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, and how about defensively? What what's the Lancer style? How would you describe that defense? Yeah, defensively, I, you know, defensively, I'd say we're we're kind of a modified pack line. Um, we're we're trying to play in gaps. Uh, we really want to try to keep the ball in front of us, uh, and and um, and and we're gonna. I think we are uh, have have some of the longest defensive possessions. Um, we want it, we want to be tough and make it hard for you to score on us. Um, and, uh, last year we were heavy, uh, into our gaps and gave up a lot of threes this year. We've been trying to address that a little bit more. Um, and I think to some extent at the cost of, of, uh, not, not being in, in the gaps as much as we need to be, um, but, but more of a gap oriented team, I would say. Hey, uh, if you could do several things and change uh, college basketball to make you love college ball and make it better. Give me, let's discuss some things that you like and maybe I can help a little bit, but what do you, what would you like to change 
to make college even better. Because I think, you know, the old thing about, you know, oh, we're perfect. We, we, there's no need to improve. I think in any business, that, that's fool's gold, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and certainly uh, my friend Fran show I heard him on uh, the other day make a comment. It's the worst he's ever seen college basketball since he's been watching it. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and yeah. Then Fran's a purist, and uh, you know, uh, talent level down, et cetera. You know, what would give me some ideas so we can discuss? Well, I, you know, one thing to steal your thunder. I know we've talked about this before. I, I think the length. I think the length of of um, the year, not the season, but the year, um, is is way too long. And you know, these these poor guys don't get a break. And, you know, many programs, you know, as soon as the season's over, you get your 10 or two weeks off and then boom, you're right back in the gym. And then they're with you for eight weeks during the summer. And then they come right and literally they come right back in late August and they start and it's lifting, it's practice, it's individuals, it's, and so they're really not getting a time to rest and I would almost say emotionally and mentally and it's a challenge for for somebody like me who's, who's very type a and intense if you're going to work out I want you to work out I, I we have on our wall you are what you repeatedly do excellence is not an event it's a habit and so if that's if we believe that then I can't have you going 70 percent in workouts sure and so if you're having to go a hundred percent you know, in your workouts in April and early May, and then in June, July, and the first part of August, and then in September, like, there's just no time to, to rest. And, and I think it steals the joy of the game for, for probably coaches as well as players. Um, but I think they just need more time away. That's, yes. uh, I, I I firmly believe that. Yeah, I think it's uh, something we have to consider. I mean, as coaches, you know, I, you know, I often felt that. Sure, I, I almost would like it to be that if a kid comes in, he comes and says, "Hey, coach, can you work me out?" And that's great. Yeah, no problem. But I hate it's not it's mandatory. You know, in every sport now, you know, and I'm yep. I'm saying we don't ever see best performances on mandatory things in life. And, you know, my opinion, compliance versus the other is always better. Uh, let's talk about other parts of the game. Um, FIBA, uh, great influence over the way I coach, you coach, uh, basketball. Uh, the idea that college basketball is now the men's college basketball is the only league in the world where we play, don't play four quarters. Yeah. Thoughts yeah. on that. I mean, so if the kid's playing overseas, he's playing high school, um, they're playing four quarters. Thoughts? You know, it's an interesting – I don't have a strong opinion on that. Okay. I don't uh, – I know I know that, uh, you know, obviously we see it in the women's college game, so we see it all the time. Um, I'm – you know, again, I, I may be more like Frischilla in, in – that's the way I've always known the game is to be two halves. So it doesn't bother me that it's two halves. Um, you know, what are the benefits of it going to four quarters? You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, well, one, um, one of the benefits is you get your foul start over every quarter. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and that, that so that's one. And then what the women have so well done is uh, because they they they're smarter than guys is uh, in general is uh, that yeah, they no uh, now they they use the timeout now at the end of the game where they can advance the ball uh, to yes. the front court, which I think really makes coaches look dumb when you can't. You try to design a play. I don't care if you're Coach K. Or uh, anyone in basketball, you try to design a play you would let t- two seconds to go full court. You know, you got no shot of making it work. And so, I think it's the game is not for coaches; it's for kids. Right. <laughs> and, right. And and the NBA game, what I learned in the NBA game, it ain't about me. It ain't about UB Brown or Pat Riley or Chuck Daly. It's about it's about the players. And so that's right. Then so the players have made the game so exciting. Because we see so many great plays, and it's about players making plays. So that would be one that I would love to see. Yeah, one of the one one. of the big things that I find uh, in our sport, college basketball, is that you know the five fouls. You know, we we have kids come to college; they're here to play, to be an experience to play. Yet we're one of the only sports that penalizes kids and makes them stop playing when they commit too many fouls. Or in our case, if you get a technical foul, it's also a personal foul. Uh, right. So, you know, I don't feel five fouls is enough in college basketball because, frankly, it's of limited roster size and players, right. et cetera, that I would love to see six fouls because now I've got coaches that I watch, great coaches, that they, your, your big man gets a foul in the first minute and a half of the game, they take him out. Because right. they're afraid he's going to get that second one and be done with 18 minutes to go in the game. He's going to be done for the half. Uh, I would like to see the kids play. Uh, right. You know, and so I'd love to see us go to six fouls, you know. Thoughts on that at all? Well, I, this may not necessarily be answering your question. I, I do think I do think the game is evolving so much with the athleticism of the players and the size of the players. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about – you know, what players, you know, sizes were like when, when I played 20 some odd years ago versus today and the athleticism, um, it's, it's just different. I do. I I think that creates, I was, I was talking to coach, you know, Seth Alberg the other day about people being injured. I didn't remember people being out every, you know, Oh, they're missing. So-and-so I feel like now almost every single game, some key player on one or the other team is going to be out. It's just part of the game where I didn't feel that way 20 years ago. And I think it's part of the size and the speed of the players. And I think it's that they're playing 12 months over, out of the I year. I think it's overtraining too. Yeah, I think you're yeah. 100% right. My daughter was a gymnast. She trained 12 months a year. She was always freaking hurt after about yeah. eight, eight, 10 years in the sport. She always kept getting hurt, you know. But so, you know, but, so I think there's something but to, to that. Go, yeah, but to go back to your question about six fouls, I do think having to look at at how that how the game has evolved. I also think you know, at least in the American context, the influence of AAU on the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think we have to really look at that um, and and how it how it's impacting our game. I mean, you, you said Frashila says it's as bad as he's ever seen it. Well. There are very few AAU programs, and this isn't to knock AAU programs, sure, sure. but it's it. There are very few AAU programs that are that are teaching fundamentals. 
simple cat passing and catching the ball. I mean, how many times do you watch a game when somebody drives in and kicks it to a shooter, but the ball's thrown to his knees or thrown, thrown you mm-hmm. know, wide, and, and the guy can't catch the ball and, and go move right into his shot? And I also think what's impacting is they play in AAU, you you you're you're learning to not care whether you win or lose That's... unless it's the peach jam and <laughs> they play so many games that and i and I, i'm guilty of it i used to say this to my you guys all the time guys i want you to get better i don't care whether you win or lose i want you to get better as a player sure and and like and i used to tell them you're not going to care whether you win this tournament in april of 2015 you know in three weeks, you're not going to care. But what's going to matter is, did you play the game right? Did you make the right decisions? Did you execute all of it? You know, but I do think a, a ramification of that is that we're teaching kids not to care whether they win or lose. And, um, and I think that's, I, I think that's seeping in from my conversations with other, other coaches around the country. Um, you know, that, competitiveness and that fire and that toughness to to win every possession you know that's a challenge right now i think and um um you know so again i guess that didn't really address your six versus five foul but but maybe it does because you know if 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 it's always been five fouls and guys know you know maybe they're a little bit more urgent yeah on every possession but um you know I, I don't know. No, I'm. I, I don't know either. But I just know that uh, you know. I was the biggest thing I think that Fran was also saying uh, was that, uh, and this had to do not with players that you and I coach was that uh, last year I think he said two hundred and forty players, college underclassmen, put their name in the draft. Yeah, <laughs> and I think eighty eighty four took their name out. Yeah, and the rest of them, and only forty four made the NBA. Right. Ouch, and so that's why we have got really, really good college players in many cases that now have no eligibility left and stuff like that. And you know because, and now the G League is getting bigger. There'll be thirty teams next year, and every you know so that's and the salaries are getting bigger. And you yeah, know, and you and I, as a, every college coach in the country, wants kids to have an education, but unfortunately, they don't see the value in it. They see the value of what they see on TNT and ESPN several yeah. times a week, and want to be a. They want to be like that, and it's so hard to be like that. <laughs> you know? Well, and I, I'm a huge proponent of trying to have the G League become more of a farm system. Sure, because I, I am a huge believer that. And this is a broader education, you know, secondary education comment. I don't think everybody is necessarily designed or supposed to go to college. Totally. Maybe agree. they don't. Maybe they don't want to. Maybe. Totally agree. Yep. You know, that's not in their value structure. Um, but I think almost societally, we've we've said everybody should go to college, and I think everybody who wants to go to college, you know, should should go to college. But but I think there are a lot of people who don't want to go to college, and. And, um, I think we bastardize the value of that education. I think, um, programs, you know, uh, are, are tempted to settle and adjust their standards. And, you know, I do think the purity of, of, 
college athletics really gets tainted when all of a sudden it's it's not really you know college athletics it's it's really semi-pro and um you know it's a it's a complicated complex issue because now the money involved with the ncaa tournament is in you know with with all of these major programs that are generating so much revenue for the university and marketing dollars for the university it's complicated it's yeah. really complicated and uh um, but I, I, I do think we, we cheapen the value of, of education and, and, you know, the issues that Duke and Michigan state and Ohio state that those folks have to deal with, you know, Longwood's not, not facing those issues, but the reality is it there is a trickle down effect sure. and what happens at Duke then goes to, you know, the American conference schools, which goes to conference USA, which, you know, at the end of the day, you know, trickles down to throughout division one and it, it starts to change the entire culture of, of, you know, the college athletics and sometimes for the better, but, but a lot of times for the worse, I think. Griff, thanks so much for sharing uh, this, this morning with me and uh, you know, and you're, you're one of the most fun people I get to talk to and, uh, and man, I, I, <laughs> well, love, our, I, I love our relationship. Too, it's fabulous. And, and again, uh, for, for our listeners out there, uh, Longwood University, Griff Aldridge, a rising program, a rising star as a coach. And I'm glad you became a coach. I'm glad you still got your law degree in, uh, in private equity. <laughs> Maybe we can do a deal on that. But uh, listen, you're fabulous and uh, continued luck throughout the season, Griff. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Griff. Um, again, uh, love this story. Uh, and really, really a good coach. Uh, for those listeners uh, that are have been inquiring about the different events uh, for the new year, uh, be following us on our website and our social media uh, as we're getting ready to announce uh, different events that we have coming up in 2020. And I think uh, many of you will really enjoy it. A lot of new programs and things of that nature. So again, make sure you follow us on either coachingyoulive.com or at coaching underscore you. Until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. 